Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about going from zero to one. Ooh, as in like I've done nothing and I'm going to sell my first thing? Now I've done something, yes. Uh, Folks might be familiar with a book by Peter Thiel called Zero to One, and I haven't read it, so I don't know how much this overlaps with that, if it's just a total coincidence. Um, But uh, this, this kicks off... This episode kicks off from an interview I did yesterday for Ditching Hourly with Carl Richards. Uh, you're familiar with Carl Richards, right? The, well, I, I am, yeah. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the sketch guy. And he did a, a column in the New York Times for 10 years where he would, with just a Sharpie on a square of paper, would do this sort of encapsulate some um, sort of high, sometimes a high-minded, it's complicated concept in a very simple way. And, you know, he would write about that and, you know, did that for a long time, he wrote a book called The Behavior Gap. And, uh, and he's got a new book out that is just has an incredibly novel pun intended pricing strategy. So I had him on to talk about that. But one thing that came up uh, in the interview was he told a story about an illustrator who he knows who's young, you know, 20 something. And just, just asking for advice, like, how do I, how do I sell my art? And, and, you know, so he showed it to Carl and it was like, um, he did like these sort of really intricate, cool sketches of zombies, I guess. And Carl's like, you know, that would look really cool on a skateboard. So why don't you go out and buy a blank deck and do it up and then put it online for 50 bucks and see if anybody buys it. Yeah. And I immediately started laughing because I knew exactly from talking to hundreds of people that that terrified the kid. The idea <laughs> of putting a price tag on something that intimate and putting it out for the world to see, you know, his art and mm-hmm. and setting yourself up for rejection, setting yourself up for people, you know, the, just like the the raging tide of imposter syndrome, even at such a low price. I mean, that's really low price. A skateboard probably cost almost that much. But just to to go from having never priced and sold anything, or at least, you know, something important, not like a used car, but like having never priced and sold really any of his art to selling the very first one. Like, can you imagine Mm -hmm. if the kid could make himself do that? And he hasn't done it. He has not done it yet. Um, to to do that, put it up there, and then it sells like immediately. Can you imagine? Can you how, imagine? Yeah, yeah how, that it would change his whole perspective. Right. It would just be. It would be mind blowing. It would be. It would. It would be like life altering. So and so here's the what, thing. What do you like, think? He'd, what do you think he'd sell the second one for? <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully eighty five, and then you know increase it by sixty five percent until they stop selling. I mean, then you just get into let's, price. Let's hope. Yeah. Pricing theory, but. So the the thing is, you know, you might think that this is um, doesn't apply to folks who might listen to this show because, you know, they're not drawing zombies. But it's I, I see it all the time with folks who had a job, got good at a skill, got dissatisfied with the job, went solo and they recreate the job, but without the boss. And they just rent themselves out by the hour to do the thing that they used to do at work. And, you know, these folks, a lot of, I mean, I've met people who've been doing that for 30 years, you know, that just do copywriting for 30 years for like one whale client or whatever. Mm -hmm. And no matter how long you've been freelancing, if you bill for your time, you've never priced anything. 
you or I should say you've never praised your work. You're just billing for your time. And it's a critical distinction. So, and I get the same kind of pushback that Carl described with his zombie guy, you know, the fear, the imposter syndrome, the terror of putting yourself out there in that way. I get the same thing when I work with people who are ditching hourly, they're moving away from it, and they're switching to a variety of fixed price options. Could be, you know, value pricing for custom projects, or it could be a productized service that they're going to, um, you know, can you imagine put a price on the website? Can you imagine? <gasps> you no. Know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's scary. Yeah. And the, but the fears, all different kinds of fears, like, like the who am I fear, imposter syndrome fear. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the other big one I get, especially with the productized services is, um, I'm, I'm scared that I'll be leaving money on the table. Like they, they're reverse nervous. Like they're, they're, mm. some people are afraid the price is too high. Other people are afraid it's too low. Uh, and they, they get really bad FOMO wondering if they could have gotten more from the client. <laughs> Wait, when somebody goes, yes, I'll take that right now. The first yeah, thing like, you think ah. of is, oh, I should have added another zero. <laughs> right, right. Have I told the story? Yeah, I've probably told the story before. I, 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 I was aware of a sales guy who um, would routinely send out uh, proposals with an extra zero. And if the, if the client gasped, he's like, oh, it's a typo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's sixty thousand. It's not six hundred. Oh, that was a typo. My, my, my husband used to have a, a thing where some he'd give a price and somebody would say, "Oh, that sounds great." He goes, "Nope, that's for my assistant. <laughs> the price for me." Right. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot yeah. you can do with that. Yeah. So you know, barring potentially, um, I'm not going to say unethical behavior, but um, the funny thing, the funny thing about the 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 hourly billers not wanting to put a price on the website for, for a variety of reasons. The funny thing about it is what, the, you know, it's just like sort of like the call to action on the entire website is like click here to chat, you know, and you send it, mm-hmm. submit a form yeah. and like, you know, set up a phone call. And the funny thing about not putting a price on your website is that you're setting yourself up to have to do more of stuff that you can't stand, which is doing sales and negotiating a contract. Yes. You know, we were talking before, you know, I was looking for an editor and I had two, I had two, I I didn't know them. They came through a social media channel that I I was in and they sent me private notes and said, Hey, I'm an editor. I do this kind of work. Shall we talk? Mm -hmm. And my reaction was no, because I don't know who you are. You haven't given me a website. I'm not going to go try to find it because you have a name that sounds like everybody else. No, we're not going to talk. But from their perspective, if they'd had the website, if they'd had a price, I could have looked and had some idea of order of magnitude. And I would have a way of knowing uh, from their credentials and their stories how good they were. Like if it's full of typos, it's probably not a great editor. Right? <laughs> Imagine that. But yeah, yeah. I think I think we can do ourselves a lot of disservice by not not putting more information available. Right. And look what they're saying with that approach too. They're saying they're saying that their time is not that valuable. Right? Like yeah, like well, if they yeah. were if they were amazing and in high demand, they wouldn't be saying, "Oh, let's jump on a call." Oh, yeah, because the editor that I'm hiring is not that available. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And yeah. and by having it's it like just to to further the point by them wanting to jump on a phone call, because in their minds, they're like, well, I don't want to say too much on my website because I know if I can just get talking to someone, I can convince them 
or I can perhaps persuade them to go with me or I can lower my price or we can, you know, we can, cause it's like, cause they're desperate. So, and I'm not saying that these people are definitely desperate, but it, it can come across like that. And if you, if you're not really good at a sales interview and the why conversation and, uh, and negotiating, why would you even want to talk to all these people who could have, could have known from your website instantly that you're not a great fit. And so now you don't have to try and persuade someone who's definitely not going to be persuaded that you are a good fit. It's well, just, I also think you're, you are more likely to get the desperate buyers than presumably yeah. the non-desperate ones that you really want. Mm. Yeah, you're going to get... And the buyer side, you know, their time's valuable too. And I, who's going to want to sit through three conversations with three unknowns to figure out what they're going to do? Right. And, it, it, you know, it changes from, from thing to thing. Like it changes. Um, so the importance... Oh, there's so many things going on here. So the importance to you of getting an editor for the book is is at a level, mm-hmm. and it's it's not it's not a high risk bet the business investment, right? No. For you, no. it's it's just not that. It's not it's it's important. It's important. It's very important to me, but it's not high risk. No, no, R- right? It, it's it's relatively low risk. So the idea that someone was going to uh, engage, you know, that someone would expect you to in, engage in a sort of time-consuming, painstaking, high-attention search is like it's just unrealistic. Like who who out there has some kind of a book project that's so important, so you know, may, maybe like I don't know, like Michelle Obama's book, like like the publisher's <laughs> going to get the best editor in the world to make sure that it's it's just perfect, you know, like that's that's a different story, right? This is like a, mm-hmm. you know, this is not that situation. So, it's kind of like it's just a complete mismatch from the seller side. They're just just completely disconnected from the reality of the situation. And like you said, they're going to end up getting price buyers. So, oh, if they yeah. get someone on the phone that's a better negotiator, which is highly likely, they're just going to get chiseled down to you know, a point where they feel like they're being taken advantage of and still say yes anyway. And then it's a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like, just put a price on your website and you'll automatically attract the right kind of people for you. It would save everyone time. You wouldn't have to negotiate. You wouldn't have to, um, you wouldn't have to do really much selling at all. It'd be more like you do marketing stuff. Like you'd go out into the world and, and try and increase awareness of what it is specifically that you do. But it would just make everything easier, but this fear of sell of I don't want to say selling the the fear of pricing really the fear of pricing well, is like it's it's putting it in black and white and there's there's also an ego thing here and maybe not like if you're just starting your business but a lot of clients I work with have been doing this a while and they've never put prices on their website because their their audience is Fortune five hundred you know, functional heads and it's sort of not done to put your price on, but on your website. But when you start to think about productized services, you absolutely want to have that price up there. And so there's this thing that, that, yeah, but there's a thing that a lot of people go through with. It's really scary, even though it's not technically zero to one, it's that first time that you've actually put a price on your website. And usually the people that are doing that, you know, they could be real veterans. You know, they might've been doing this for 20 years. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've never put a price on their website. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, I'm going to put it out there. There is all sorts of things coming up, including imposter syndrome. Right. Yeah. So the, the imposter syndrome angle is like you imagine that no no one would ever, that, that you'll be ridiculed by your peers for, for charging $10,000 for a WordPress site. That's highway robbery. That's, you know, uh, that's unethical. That's... Um, you know who do you think you are you know it's all it's it, it, i mean this happens yeah. like i've seen I've oh seen, i know it does like i'm like who cares what they think but right yeah, it's it's it not imaginary yep. yeah no i but, agree but you got to just be like whatever you know it's not for you and, and so that's that's kind of one side and and you know the the especially if you are well i was gonna say i guess everybody yeah oh, never mind i was gonna go down like an art path but I don't, I don't think that applies as much here. So the, the flip side is the leaving money on the table. It's like, well, what if I could have gotten more from them? And it's like, well, you, maybe you could, that is the downside of a productized service is you can leave money on the table, but it boils down to whether or not you want to become amazing at sales and negotiation. Like if you, if you like doing sales and you like, you know, I mean like on the phone or in-person sales, and you like negotiating a contract and kind of that wheeling and dealing feeling, <laughs> then, then yeah, then do then just do that. But I don't know five people. <laughs> I don't know five people like that. You know, I, like maybe they're on my mailing list or something. But when I work with people, they nobody enjoys. It's very rare that someone actually enjoys a consultative sale the way that maybe you or I do. Um, yeah, you know, I love a consultative sale because I don't think of it as a negotiation, really. Maybe right. that's why it's not. It doesn't feel intimidating. It feels like we're working together. Yeah, exactly. We're figuring something out that's going to make their life better. Right. Yeah. Most people, I think, view sales in the kind of classic used car kind of pushy, persuasive, mm-hmm. like, oh, I have to be a dominant personality, and I'm not normally like yeah, that, so yeah. I just feel fake the whole time. And yeah, I would hate that too, <laughs> pretending I was like, you know, a particular way. But yeah, so there's this fear of leaving money on the table. But guess what? If somebody jumps at it, then you just raise the price for the next person. You know, you just like, this exactly. This is always, yeah, it's funny, right? Like it's shocking to people when I'll say to them, you know, it's very common for the first thing, uh, the first thing that I'll work on with lots of private coaching students is creating a product ladder you know, like products and services. Mm-hmm. And it'll usually be like, uh, usually there's two productized services on it right out of the gate. And they'll say, you know, and I'll say, well, what's what's a walkaway price for you? We'll just make up some prices. Like, what's a walkaway price for you to do something like this? Like once we define the scope and everything, and they'll be like, they'll be like, oh, you know, I would do it for a thousand. You know, I wouldn't do it for a penny less than a thousand. I'm like, all right, so let's charge 2000 for it. We'll just start there. And then we'll, we'll make sure that the value is there for someone we'll figure out who would you know get mm-hmm. whatever five thousand dollars worth of value out of this and then we'll put it in front of them and and they'll say like well what if the price is too low so they'll think they'll either think that um, the scope <laughs> is going to creep which is a, a yeah. flaw in the service design so that that should just be fixed it shouldn't affect the price and uh, the other thing is like that that the what if people would have paid more like you, like you said before, mm-hmm. where someone just like immediately is like, yeah, take my credit card. Like, yes, let's do this. Yep. You're like, oh, I should have turned more. Dang it. I'm like, well, you can just raise the price. Like, so, so 
yeah, I had one person say to me, well, if I sell it at this price 10 times, maybe I'll raise it. I'm like, 10 times? Try two. You know, yeah. if you sell it twice at $10,000, jump it up to 15 or 18, you know, like, because mm-hmm. you've tapped into, you've proven that you've tapped into some market that it values it more than $10,000. So let's test the market, see how much trust you've, because you're only going to build up more awareness and trust as you continue to do your marketing and, and positioning work. So, you know, of course, the value is going to be higher in the potential buyer's mind. So therefore, the price can be higher and still be profitable for both parties. So yeah, the oh. long way of saying that the price is not forever. You know, you, you can change your website every day if you want. Yeah, I mean, I had a, a client and we were just on the sales call and he had a, uh, a productized service, which was really cool. It fit his expertise, his, his target audience, and he was pricing it at $15,000. And I looked at it and I said, listen, I mean, this is a sales call, so we're still getting to know each other. I said, I don't know what the right price is, but I know this is too low. The guy is a genius in his niche and he's sought after. Mm. And so we said, well, then what do I do? I said, well, just raise it by $10,000 each time until somebody cries uncle. And so he's at 45,000 now and it wouldn't surprise me if he could get up close to 100 yeah. for something that, you know, he might have thought was 15. Right. If yeah. you don't if you don't try it, you won't know. Yeah, talk about leaving money on the table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it's even though it's a productized service, there's only so many he can do in a year. Mm-hmm. And so why not optimize that, especially for his particular market, which has pretty deep pockets? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a there's a parallel with value pricing when you've got a, a custom project. So it's the same psychology, uh, but the, there's an audience of one instead of an audience of infinity. So like when I'll, I'll get somebody who's, you know, working on a proposal with a student and they'll say, you know, here's here's the deal, you know, here's what the situation is. And I'll say, well, like, well, how did the relationship start? Like I'll go all the way back to how did, did you contact them or did they contact you? Um, tell me about the person who introduced you. Like what is the, you know, how did they come? What is their probable mindset? How important and risky is the project and so forth? And they'll be thinking like, eh, you know, there's a list of things that need to be done. It'll probably take me about two months of working roughly full time. So, and then they they price it based on cost, mm-hmm. you know, if they're going to give a price at all. So, and I'll say, well, no, let's think about it. Like, what's the desired outcome? What what might that be worth to them? And then work backwards. And and you know, I I've had situations where where the student is is saying like, this is gonna, you know, this is going to directly contribute to probably a 1.2 billion dollar sale <laughs> and i'm like i'm like well you can't you can't guarantee that and they're like no no no, i can't guarantee it but if if they don't do this then it will not happen like the the odds mm-hmm. of the sale are greatly diminished and i'm like do you have proof that you've that you can actually do this and he's like yeah i did the exact same thing it was an 800 million dollar sale after the thing that i did and so, so like if this guy is in conversation with people who believe that he can contribute to a close to, close to or around a billion dollar transaction, like they believe they wouldn't be talking to him if they didn't believe that he could contribute to that, right? Mm-hmm. They, why would right. they talk to him if they, oh, there's no nothing you can do to contribute to this, but let's talk anyway. Like that doesn't no. happen. No. So, but, so then, but my normal calculation numbers 
you know, if you if he gave them three options, starting at ten percent of, you know, like they wouldn't be talking to you if you if they didn't think you could contribute. I don't know. Let's just say in this case, two percent <laughs> to the. It's got to be higher than two percent. Right. It has to right. be at least five percent. I usually say ten. So ten yeah. percent of a billion. And this was like a, this would be like a short term consulting engagement. I was like, dude, you could price this almost anywhere you want. This could be like your year's salary of this one gig. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And so, but still, but you're like, you're looking at the thing and it's like, I'm going to tell these people that I it's $1.2 million for me to consult with them, just solo consultant for three months or four months to like, <laughs> you know, so you, you, and it's not like, you know, that would go up on his website or that would be a public thing. But even saying it to this person who's in a community that the word would right. surely get around, it's like, you know, you know, this particular guy, I think he's going to do it. But but a lot of people, you know, but he's got that kind of personality. Like a lot of well, people would be like, no thing. way. You, you got to have some cojones to step up and, and do that. But yeah, there's, this guy's got guts. But there's the link. There's the link to his 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 out the outcomes he's creating there's clearly a value link there and yeah. you know why not mm-hmm. right and, yeah, and so the, the other thing i always talk to people about in that situation is well okay so let's just let's what what happens if that blows them out of the water and the whole thing blows up which it's not going to but let's just assume right. the whole thing blows up and it goes away how do you feel about that and nine times out of ten they want to have pushed it because it gave them confidence, even if they lost, and this feeling of, I don't want to say invincibility, but it's its a feeling of, of value, of, um, I almost used the word worth, but I won't use that, <laughs> um, that it, it's, it's this, um, it's, it's this mindset like- of a business owner versus the mindset of an employee. It's a very yeah. different thing. Yeah. And the thing that... It- and and the thing that contributes to that feeling of of buy don't buy don't care like there's indifference it's almost indifference where it's like I don't care whatever it's a million dollars do you want me like if you just say yes or no I don't care right it, it's it's I'm exaggerating it but it's kind of like that indifference to whether or not they buy generally that comes from being in demand like you've got lots of leads mm-hmm. so you can swing for the fence on all of them or you know. It's not like they're. It's not like you have them over a barrel. You're gouging them or anything like that. It's just an equitable exchange. So, if 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 they don't feel that that's equitable, or is maybe his calculations are wrong. I mean, he could just be wrong, and then they freak out and get sticker shock. Like, what's the downside? Nothing. Right. You know, like right. maybe maybe they're like, oh, that guy is just like full of himself or something. But they're not. Why why would they even spend their time doing that? Like, why would they go around slagging someone? <laughs> you know, like they've got better things to do. So, well, plus another way to think about it is if you're putting yourself in the client's chair, mm-hmm. then the client is saying, okay, we've got to get this billion dollar deal done. We're talking to three people, but only one of them has already done it and yeah. can show us that he's done it. Yep. What's it worth? And let's say let's say he he calls it a million dollars and somebody else calls it 200,000. Yeah. Or 100,000. I'm still going to pay a million dollars if I feel there is a high probability that it will be successful with the million dollar mm-hmm. guy. Now if I didn't, yeah. no way. Like why would I pay a million if I if I can get the same thing for 50,000 or 200,000? Right. And that comes down to positioning. So it, it like does. Yeah. 
that right there, availability of options. So yeah, if there, so like back to your editor thing, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, you had, I think you mentioned like five or six potential, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to call them leads, but like, like possibilities. Mm-hmm. So automatically like, and then think, cause you know, I don't know how much, you, you know, we talked about it before the show, but the, the differences between them. So like you, you had to do research to figure out what some differences between them that were meaningful to you. Yeah, I, I don't mind talking about this. So, so I in in one place on one site, I had three offers, if you will, um, based on what I said I wanted, and the low price was a thousand, and the high price was thirty five hundred. And but there were I don't know maybe two hundred people to choose from, and I was allowed to send it out to five. So I had to find five people. And to find those five people, I had to sift through a lot of their portfolio stuff because I wanted to see who who had the style that I was looking for and who was familiar with you know my style of book. So that took a little while. Um, but then when it was narrowed down to three, I was very clear on the distinctions between the three by the time I got to that point because then they were involved. So we were communicating. It was all virtual, but we were communicating. So I had a sense of how I felt about the 3,500, how I felt about the 1,000, and how I felt about the one in the middle. Mm. So, okay, so just to play this game, if if you saw someone that was $500 or $100, would they have even been a consideration? No. Why did you? Because I knew the going rate was a minimum of $600 for anybody with any kind of experience. That was like the bare bones minimum. Did you even look really look at anyone? Did, did you like vet any of the $600 ones? No. Yeah. Is it just too cheap? You're like they're, they're obviously not that great. Yeah, or they're I, not I wanted somebody for. with experience who knew what they were doing, and nobody with that would charge six hundred dollars. Right, and you so just now, wouldn't. right, and so at the high end, thirty five hundred, which is more than triple a thousand. Mm-hmm. So you you've you knew gut instinct what your roughly what it's worth to you. The value of getting someone good is to you. Uh, it, it wasn't five thousand. It wasn't ten thousand. Like it's no. it's it's not that high. So you know that you just your gut can tell you it's in this range. It's if it's less than a thousand, I'm not going to waste my time. Um, but it's not worth much more than thirty five hundred, four thousand. It's starting to push push the. I don't care how good they are. I just don't want to spend that much. So, yeah, it's more it's more that they could actually produce more value for me, but I have to bet on the come if you will Mm -hmm. and so I I wasn't going to spend more than I kind of figured like five um, on the top end for my whole budget with everything so I didn't want to spend all that on editorial right yeah so there you go so like so then so you're looking at the prices and the price is a huge signal it was the first thing you used probably to kind of filter down to uh, a list of people and uh, and then it was like, okay, now which which one of these is going to be the best fit for me? And you know, is there a meaningful difference between uh, somebody who's closer to a thousand and someone who's closer to to the three thousand? Is there a meaningful difference? Because and then if you look and you're like, no, there's there's no real meaningful difference, or in fact, there is a meaningful difference, but it's at the lower end of the scale, like a personality fit at a, at the lower end of the pricing scale. And I mean, that's how buyers do it. Like buyers, they've generally got a a rough idea, not even a clear idea, but just like a gut instinct idea on what the whole thing is worth to them. It's very hard for them to articulate that. 
Um, mm-hmm. Even if you work with them, sometimes they can't really articulate it, but they always know if the price is too high or too low. So it's in there yes. somewhere. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. So, because the value is the highest price that the buyer would pay. Well, and, and the interesting thing here for me was that the $3,500 person was not appreciably better than the $1,000 person. Mm-hmm. In fact, I. To I, you. I, to me, I found the $1,000 person more interesting, regardless of price, had a better match for what I was looking for. So I, interestingly, the 3500 was the first quote that came in, and I immediately discounted it because I looked at it and I remembered saying, he can't command that price with me. Mm. He isn't worth that for me. I'm not right. saying that he's not a great editor. He's just not the right fit for me. So no, it, that was mm-hmm. an instant no. So let's see what else comes in. Yeah, yeah. It's, I just love this. This is why I, I think pricing is the most fascinating thing ever, especially services, because everything's basically dependent on your reputation or positioning or like all these intangibles. So I totally love it. But the, the point is uh, to get back to the pricing of the, you know, the million dollar job or the billion dollar job. It's like if there are a lot of options, then the buyer is going to sift through them like we just did with your editors. Mm-hmm. So you you can't kind of just name your price and expect like if they can't tell the difference between you and someone else of course they're going to go with the lower the lower one so it's your job to be different and if you know you're different if you know you're the one and only if you are whatever the diy video guy or the ditching hourly guy or whatever then it's like then people are like they're not looking at other options there are no other options you're you're um, uh, there's just one and it's you so then it's a question of like right yes and that's exactly what happened with me, by the way. We didn't talk about that. But the, the middle option, price-wise, was the person I most wanted going mm. into it. The person I, I just felt like we would click and had the right background and experience. But I thought that person would be the highest bidder. Yeah, so they and left actually, money on the table. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I don't know what the top end would have been, but uh, I did expect it to be more. I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't, um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So here's here, here's a, I mean, here's a, I guess this, I'm trying to decide if this is relevant to the episode. I guess it is, because we're talking about going from not pricing to pricing, to like mm-hmm. never having priced and just build or, or, you know, worked internally and had a salary, to actually pricing, putting a price out there. The money that that editor air quotes, left on the table is Rochelle's profit. That is the feeling that that's that's the um, margin that the buyer gets. So in other words, you would have paid more, but you didn't have to. So that creates a positive feeling for you. So like, and it also lowers the bar a little bit for what she has to deliver. I think you said it was a she. So Mm -hmm. if the, if, if she was at the highest end of your range, like five, she's 5,000 is the one you like the most. You'd probably be like most people would be trying to stressed out and like, Oh, this better be good. You know, because it's, (laughs) because there's no margin for you. There's no profit for you. So it becomes riskier. So leaving that money on the table, air quotes, creates a much better relationship between the two parties, like the client and, and the editor in this case can be more relaxed because there's wiggle room for the buyer. Usually just the seller thinks about this. Usually the seller is like, oh, well, I need to price it higher than I would actually 
air quotes, do it for because the scope might creep or something like that, or might be harder than I think. That's Mm -hmm. the seller's wiggle room. You want both parties to have wiggle room, and that's the leaving the money on the table. You're always, if you're pricing right, you're always leaving money on the table, some money, because that's the profit for the buyer. But you just don't want to leave too much money on the table. So that's when we, you know, earlier we were were talking about, if you're selling these things like, like hotcakes, just like raise the price, slow down. But I mean, I, I think, you know, your point is really valid. And just using this example, I'm really excited to start working with this editor. And I hadn't thought of it in the way you just described it, but that's exactly right. Because uh, I looked at the $3,500 guy and said, I don't see that this is a low risk option. I can't see the line of sight between mm-hmm. what he's giving me and what I want. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to pay that much if I can't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels risky. Yeah, it does. It mm. does. And, you yeah. know, it's, I mean, it's not, nobody's going to die if it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, I can do it again, but I'm not going to meet my, my launch plan. I'm going to be unhappy because I'm, I'm working at something and I'm probably going to have to redo it if, if the, the editorial direction isn't working. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's my time and that's valuable. That's what's happening in the mind of your buyer, dear listener. If, if you put a price on your website, um, first of all, probably lots of other people in your space don't even do that. So right away, mm-hmm. you're in your more interesting option. Uh, and if it's within that range, if it's higher than, than what, let's say, if it's high enough to appear quality, the kind of quality they're looking for, and it's low enough to be less than what the benefit of the engagement would be worth to them, then you, you, you're skipping over all of these um, all of these issues that can come up in an, in a sales process and a negotiation, and you could just sort of attract, I almost said higher quality, but like better fit clients right away. So like, it's just ironic that people would be afraid to put prices on, but then they're giving themselves all this extra work that they don't <laughs> like. It's like, yes, you should be, I suppose, I suppose the fear is that you're going to push away people yes, um, who you might... Fear. Yeah, who you might have been able to persuade into working with you, but the ones that you, the ones that you're pushing away with the price are the ones you should be pushing away. Yeah, they're not going to hire you. Yeah, and then you end up attracting more of the ones for whom you would be a good fit. Exactly. It's it's like a it's just ironic the paradox. There's just something about putting a price on your website. It's just it's a statement, even if it's just one price. You're making a statement. Oh. This is not a cheap WordPress guy I can hire for $1,000. I've got to have a significant project because their fees start at $40,000 to do a website. I mean, that, that, it, it's, it's level setting. And it's really powerful because it saves so much time. Mm-hmm. So much time. Oh, it just reminded me of a story. I, I spoke with someone who was on Upwork and highly specialized, very unique niche, um, very close to the money, as I would say. So like the, the, the things that she would do for, for her clients would quickly and clearly produce increased revenue. Mm, okay. you, know, it was, you know, so, so she's very close to the money, very experienced, had lots of positive, you know, good results, like testimonials, like, wow, you know, she like doubled our revenue last year and you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, she, and she, but she was selling through Upwork and she was afraid 
that she, she got a lot of leads on Upwork and she liked that and she didn't want to leave the security of like all those leads. She's like, the people who hire me are searching on Upwork. She said, okay, I'll, I'll buy that. Um, I, whatever. So the, that was kind of off the table because I really think she, you know, she should have just gotten off Upwork. But if she, I said, she said, well, so what should I do if I was going to stay on Upwork? And I said, well, I would do a search that you believe that your clients are doing and, and see the results, you know, like there you are in the results and there's everyone else. And not a ton of people, but some people in the results besides her. And I was like, and I would make yourself noticeably, if not significantly more expensive than all the other ones. Be the most mm-hmm. expensive one. Because what will happen is uh, when people search and they'll look and they'll see the most expensive one and they'll say, well, she must be the best. You know, that's a very strong signal or, or she probably is the best. And people who buy the best, like to buy the best, are naturally going to be uh, attracted to that person and people who are uh, <laughs> price buyers are nope. going to be repelled by that person. They're <laughs> exactly. immediately. Yeah. Exactly. And most people, right. Most people will go and buy like the second cheapest option given three options or four options or five options. They're going to buy the second cheapest one. If it's just, if it's not uh, mission critical, I, you know, I'm having my brain operated on, you know, the stakes are really high. I want the best surgeon in the world. If it's just like a, uh, nice to have, or maybe even a little more important than nice to have, they're not going to buy the most expensive one, but some people will. And those clients are going to be the most profitable, easiest to work with. They're going to be, Mm -hmm. because they obviously care less about money than they care about time or quality. So if you're, if you're actually an expert, if you actually can produce really, really positive business outcomes, then that's what I said to do. Ask me if she did it. Did she do it? Nope. <laughs> Get out. No. No. It's terror inducing. Uh, it's like, who am I? I'm like, you're great at this. You're telling me you're great at this. Like, you know, well, she she wouldn't have said that she was great at it, but she told me results. I'm like, these are the results that you can reliably deliver. She's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, no. that's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, like, like, it's, you know, it's not a public story, so I don't want to go into the details too much, but you know, very close to the money, lots of money, lots of budget. And, but, but no, I just, you know, I can't bring myself to do it. It's like, imagine being in the, in the arms race, like up, you know, racing to the top instead of racing to the bottom. Like imagine if someone else then raised theirs to be, you know, someone else with the same strategy. And she's so good at what she does with demonstrable results. Yeah. Girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Change your prices. Yeah. And again, you know, these, again, these are hourly rates. So, you know, I'm super, I'm super anti Upwork. I I get that it's a good lead source for people or or at least it's a comfortable lead source. But I was like, be the most expensive looking one, you know, and who even knows if you would ultimately be the most expensive because when you're good, you're usually fast also. So, you know, who knows if it would ultimately be more expensive to hire her or not, even at the highest price point. So I don't think she. Yes. Yes. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit apples and oranges, but still the putting a public price dollar signs on your profile or in your, uh, on your skateboard or on your book or wherever it's super powerful at attracting the right kind of clients and repelling people who would probably just be tire kickers and waste your time. Well, I think it's also, it's, there's a process, you know, you start and you have to keep experimenting 
And for some reason, I keep thinking of my friend's daughter who's in high school and is pretty artistic. And she started painting jeans. So she would go to like Goodwill and get jeans really cheap and she would paint things on them. And her friends at school love them. So she started selling them. Nice. And I, I want to say they were 40 or 50 bucks, something like that. So, And she did one for her mom, like as a freebie. And then her mom got some, I think, Vans and said, yeah, and said, <laughs> gee, honey, would you do these shoes for me? And I'm sort of thinking maybe something like this. And she said, yeah, I'll do that. And um, and so mom said, so like 40 bucks or whatever the going rate was. And she said, you know, mom, I'm really thinking this is going to, this is a little bit more complicated. I think it's going to be 60. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my God, that's the kind of, that's the kind of, of mindset. And I love it that she's, you know, 16, 17 thinking that way already. But that's the yes. kind of mindset that we have to think about is how are we providing value and how does our client or customer perceive that value mm-hmm. yeah totally so there's so many places we could go here like what the market will bear i could have a, we could do a whole oh that's the that's like a series of episodes but... yeah yeah um so so let's kind of put a bow on it and say you know for for any anyone in the audience who doesn't have a price on their website like there's not a price on there think about think about the power, you know, ask yourself, do I really, do I really like having these sales calls? Do I feel like I'm good at it? If I'm not good at it, do I really want to get better at it? And if, if you don't, you know, when you're honest with yourself, if you really don't want to get better at it and you probably, and you don't feel like you're that great at it, then, you know, maybe it's, surely you could come up with some kind of productized service to try. Yeah. And one do, thing. Yeah. Go from zero productized services to one. Um, that's honestly the easiest way to put a price on your website. The, the The second easiest is some kind of product, but the, making a product is an, for sure an undertaking. Mm-hmm. That you know you can you can put a paid call on your site in you know half an hour. You just hook up Calendly and attach it to Stripe and say you know forty five minute strategy call five hundred bucks. Boom. Boom. Done. And just and, and just the effect of that, you know, then you can build up and down from there. You could build, you know, whatever. What we can, we've done shows about productized services before. Yeah. But um, yeah, like it just think- just one, just one thing to start is a great way to start to change your mindset about this. Yeah, yeah. And the first time that skate when that skateboard sells, you're going to be through the roof. Oh yeah, no I just picture way. him going. Oh my god, look at all this money! <laughs> and whoever got the skateboard is probably going to be thrilled that they got that for fifty bucks. Well, with Carl Richards going around talking about it, it's going to sell in a heartbeat. Like I, I, I want to buy it. I don't I even know. skateboard. At the very least, he needs like an, an Etsy page. But I'd rather have him have his own website and develop that. But he's got to start somewhere. Just get it up there. Yeah. Yeah. So same goes for you, dear listener. If you don't have any prices on your website, it's time to go from zero to one. To one. Cool. All right. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.